0: It's my pleasure this morning to introduce our speaker for today. He's been a member of Jonesboro Heights Baptist Church for 18 years, along with his wife, Debbie. During his daylight hours, he is employed with Duke Energy as an electrical procurement engineer. And he has two children, uh, Kristen, and she's married to Robbie. They have two two children, um, Kenley and Camden. And his son, Mitchell, is married to Jenny. And he is currently an assistant teacher with the fellowship class here at Sunday School Hour and is a recording secretary for the Fellowship of Deacons. And at this time, I'd like to turn the pulpit over to Kenny Dale. Good morning. morning. Hope everyone is doing well this morning. Hope you had a good week this past week. I also want to thank you for being here today and for those listening by the radio for listening as well, for taking time out of your schedule to be here with us this morning for those that are here as we worship our God and His Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, I realize there's so many other places you could be this morning. Our world offers so many... Is so many things to occupy our time and because of that many people choose not to worship God on Sunday many people don't see the need to worship God or see the need to come to church to be with fellow believers some because they don't believe God exists some because somebody in the past made them mad and so they no longer desire to come to church Some because they work all week and Sunday's their only day off and so they choose to stay at home to spend time with family, kick their feet up and relax. You know, everybody's schedules this day and time seem to be so hectic. And if you think about it, family time is important. So thank you for being here this morning and for those listening by the radio for whatever reason, for taking time out of your schedule to listen to us. And it's our hope that For those listening by the radio, for whatever reason, that maybe your health or your schedule will allow you to be here next week. We would love to have you worship with us. So I'd like to begin this morning by looking at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, again in verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. May we pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for this time to gather here in this place that we might worship you and praise you. And Father, we thank you for your word, what it teaches about you and what you would have us know. And so Father, this morning I pray that our minds and hearts would be open And Father, that we would know the message that you would have us get from this message. Thank you, Father, for the way you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A few years ago, ABC News conducted a study concerning heaven. And based on the findings of the poll, 89% of the people said they believed there was a heaven. Of those 89%, 85% of the people polled believed that they will one day be there. So 89% of the people say they believe there's a heaven, and 85% of those people say they believe they will one day be there. So today being Baptist Men's Day, I wondered, if you were to ask the average man on the street to tell you what you had to do to go to heaven... What do you think that man would say? Do you think the person would say, well, just live a good life? Or maybe do more good than you do bad? Or maybe the person might say, well, you know, really all I have to do is just do some good deed and I'll be okay. Some men may even tell you there's no such thing as heaven. Or that the only heaven that there is, is what we have right here on this earth. If that were true, as good as this life is, that would be very sad. You would have no hope. When this life was over, that would just be it. If that were true. Hopefully, if you were to ask a man who claims to be a Christian... He will tell you that you must accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, asking Him to forgive you of your sins. However, if you tell people that accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that believing in Him is the only way to heaven, many people will laugh at you. They will not believe what you say. They will disagree with you. However, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way to heaven. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is the only way to God the Father. In other words, He is the only way to heaven. And when we receive Him, when we receive forgiveness for our sins, God's gift to us, then we have the hope of salvation. And one day being in heaven with God. A moment ago, we read from Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul. And at the time Paul wrote his letter to the Ephesians, he was imprisoned prison in the city of Rome. And he writes to encourage the people of Ephesus, the Ephesians, to encourage them to grow in their faith, to grow in Christian maturity, to seek to become more Christ-like in their daily walk. In other words, to seek to be more like Jesus each and every day. As Christians, that should be our goal as well. To grow more like Jesus every day. In order to do that, we must study our Bibles to see how Jesus lived. To read how God desires for us to live. And then to seek to live accordingly. Paul writes in verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. Now the word transgression is one of those big words that we don't use a lot in our everyday language. At least it's not a word that I use a whole lot anyway. So exactly what is a transgression? The word transgression means to go beyond a limit or boundary, to violate a law or a command. So here we're talking about violating or going beyond God's command. Therefore, if God's word tells you not to commit adultery, which it does, and you go out and you commit adultery, then you have committed a transgression against God's command. In other words, you have sinned. If God's word tells you not to steal, which it does, and you go out and you steal, then you have committed a transgression against God's command. In other words, you have sinned. If God's word tells you not to murder, and you do, well, you get the picture. Paul tells us that we were dead in our transgressions and sin. He goes on to clarify in verse 2 by saying, "...in which you used to live..." When you follow the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, Paul's talking here about the way the people were before they came to Jesus, before they received God's offer of salvation, by accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior, before they received forgiveness for their sins. Basically, they were dead in their transgressions and sins, following the way of the world. And that tells me and hopefully you something about what it means to be a Christian. You see, when we come to Jesus, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, there should be something different about us. Accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and receiving the salvation, being saved from our sins, is a life-changing event in which we recognize the price that Jesus paid for us by going to the cross. And we seek to live for Him and not as the world or the people of the world would have us live. There should be something different about us. Our talk should be different. Our actions should be different. Our response to life situations should be different because we have God's Holy Spirit living in us to guide us. We should be a people that show love to others. Our talk should be kind to others. We should seek to build people up, not tear people down. Still, that doesn't mean we will not be tempted from time to time. I'm sure I've shared this story with some of you in the past, and so for those who have heard it, please bear with me. But there's a story about a man, a very overweight man, who after going to the doctor was put on a very strict diet. He was to watch everything he ate, count his calories. There was to be no junk food whatsoever. Well, every day as he went to work, he drove past a donut shop. Many times in the past, before being put on this very strict diet, he would stop in at that donut shop for some cream-filled donuts. And oh, you could just smell them when you opened the door. They were freshly made, so sweet that they just seemed to melt in your mouth. Well, one morning as he is driving to work, the temptation to stop for a donut is just overpowering. He just had to have one. So he reasoned to himself, maybe I'm feeling this way this morning because the Lord wants me to stop for a donut on the way to work. So after reasoning with himself, he decided that if he drove by the donut shop and there was a parking spot right in front of the store, it would be okay for him to have one, well, maybe two, well... Maybe he'd just pick up a dozen donuts that morning. On his eighth trip around the block, there was a parking spot right in front, and so he pulled in. Temptation had got the best of him. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't believe eating a donut is a sin. But hopefully you get the understanding. You understand what I'm talking about. You know, the world offers many temptations in life. And many men, women included, fall to those temptations every day. Get rich fast by selling illegal drugs or other illegal things. Take what belongs to someone else because we like it or because it's valuable, and we can get a lot of money for it. Climb to the top of the corporate ladder regardless of who we have to hurt or who we have to step on to get there. Making a habit of going to the golf course or out at the lake when we know that we should be in church worshiping God. For men, the temptation to have an affair with that pretty co-worker that you've been talking to or ladies, that handsome man, You see, there are just so many different ways in life that we can be tempted. And the thing about temptations, when you give in to that temptation, and when you fall to that temptation, it becomes easier and easier and easier to do it again. Paul says in verse 3, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Basically, what Paul is saying here is that before we became Christians, we were like the people of the world. Now, to be honest with you, I was saved at the ripe old age of nine years old. And many of you here, or those listening by the radio, may have experienced salvation at a very early age as well. And we don't, or at least I don't fully understand what it means in this respect. Gratifying the cravings of my sinful nature, following its desires, and being an object of God's wrath. I don't fully understand that because, you see, I was nine years old. As I was growing up, I was taught God loved me. And then I became a Christian, and because I became a Christian, I was taught God loved me because... He has saved me from my sins. So I don't fully understand what it means to be an object of God's wrath. But you know, I do remember as a little boy, nine years old, realizing that I was a sinner, that I had done wrong in my life, that I had committed sins, and I needed to seek God's forgiveness. And so I remember the day well getting down on my knees and asking God to forgive me and asking Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And at that time, I did not understand all the implications of what being a Christian meant. And to be honest with you, over the years, I probably still don't understand everything there is to know. But I do know that no matter what I'm facing, I have a Heavenly Father to whom I can talk to that I can bring my problems to who is there for me. As Christians, I have God's Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me, to convict me of my heart whenever I do something wrong, and the need to seek forgiveness when I sin. Look at verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. But because of His great love for us, Not by works, so that no one can boast. Because of God's great love for us, He provided a way for us to receive forgiveness for our sins. In other words, to receive salvation. That way is Jesus. Verse 4 says that God is rich in mercy. Mercy can be defined as refraining from harming offenders or enemies. Basically, it's God not giving us what we deserve. We learn from Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So each of us has sinned. I've sinned. Each of you here today have sinned in your life. Everybody listening by the radio has sinned in their life. So each of us has sinned. Romans 3.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Death here refers to spiritual death. Basically, it's to spend an eternity away from God. God in His mercy provided us a way to be forgiven, a way to receive salvation. Again, that way is Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, we're made alive in Him. Where we were once spiritually dead, we have now been made alive. And we have the hope of living forever with Jesus in a beautiful place that He has prepared for us. Paul says, it is by grace you have been saved. Because of God's grace, He saved us. Grace means goodwill or favor. So basically, it's God giving us more than we deserve. Therefore, we do not have to experience God's wrath. We do not have to experience His punishment. You see, I truly believe all of us one day are going to come before God for judgment, to give an account of ourselves. And at that point, I believe all of our deeds, every word that we have spoken We're going to have to give an account of that before God. Even those things we have done when we thought nobody was looking. Because of God's grace, because He sent Jesus to take our punishment, we will not have to face God's punishment. Instead, we will experience God's grace. We will experience His forgiveness. Heaven is going to be our home Those without Jesus, unfortunately, they're going to experience God's punishment. They will be punished with an everlasting or an eternal punishment. In other words, hell is going to be their home. You know, it seems we do not talk a lot about hell this day and time. We don't preach about it a lot from the pulpit. I mean, really, it's not talked about in general. Now, many people use the word regularly in their daily language. And I think because of that, people have become desensitized, so to speak, to the horror of hell. Hell is going to be a terrible place. It is going to be a place of torment, a place of agony. A place where Scripture tells us there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It will not be a place of partying with our friends or doing what we feel like we want to do. It is going to be a terrible, terrible place. And we learn from Scripture that once you get there, there's no way out. Forever and ever and ever, it's going to be torment and agony. I cannot imagine being in such agony that all I can do is grit my teeth because I'm in such pain. But Jesus saves us from all that. Verse 8 says, For it is by grace you've been saved, and this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. You see, no matter how hard we work, no matter what we do, we cannot work our way into heaven. God, through His grace and mercy, has made available His gift of salvation. Salvation is God's gift to us, freely given to us. But it did not come without a cost. That cost was Jesus' life, His suffering, His shame. His dying on the cross, being crucified as the punishment for our sins. You see, Jesus had to die the worst possible death, suffering greatly to pay the penalty for the worst possible sin. And because salvation is a gift, it's our choice as to whether we accept the gift or not. I know I've shared this with you before in the past but I can have a gift and I can offer that gift to you and I can offer it to you every single day of my life but until you actually reach out and take that gift it is not yours it does not become yours until you accept it God convicts our hearts of the need for Jesus But He does not force us to accept Him as our Lord and Savior. It's our choice. And when we come to Jesus, recognizing the sacrifice Jesus paid for us, then we will work for Him. Not because we receive salvation, or not to receive salvation, but because we have received salvation. Because we recognize the, the price that Jesus paid for us, the sacrifice He paid by going to the cross. And Basically, we put our faith into action. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. When we come to Jesus, we seek to live for Him. And as Jesus brought glory to God, as Christians, we're to live our lives so that people see Jesus working through us. And God receives glory from it. As I said earlier, people should see something different in us. And that's not to say there's not some good people in this world, because there's some good people. There's some good people who are lost because they don't have Jesus in their lives. Let's look at verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's workmanship. God's purpose for us as Christians is to do good works. As such, as Christians, basically each of us have two callings. The first is a call to salvation, and the second is a call to service. First, ten says which God prepared for us to do. And what God calls us to do, He equips us to do. You know, it doesn't mean it'll be easy. Sometimes the things that God calls us to do may seem overwhelming. But the things He calls us to do, He equips us to do, and He gives us the power to accomplish. We serve an amazing God. A God who loves us, a God who cares for us, who desires that we receive forgiveness for our sins by believing in Jesus. That God sent Him into the world for the sole purpose Of taking our punishment so that we could be made right by having our sins forgiven. So maybe you're here today or listening by the radio. And you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're a good person. You've done good deeds. Good things in your life. But you also know that there's unconfessed sin in your life as well. You know you've never asked God to forgive you your sins and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Forgiveness and salvation is just a prayer way. And there's no fancy words. Our God makes it so easy for us to come to Him. It's just simply bowing our head And praying from the heart saying, Father, I have sinned against you. Please forgive me. I thank you Jesus died for me. I ask him to be my Lord and Savior. It's that simple and yet we try to make it so hard. And then it's just seeking to live for him. To try to be the very best person you can be for our Lord. God loves you, and He went to great lengths so that you could be in a right relationship with Him. Or maybe this morning, you're here and you are a Christian. But you know that lately, lately you have not been living for Him quite the way that you should. And maybe this morning, you need to recommit yourself to Him. To seek to be what He would have you be. In just a moment, we're going to sing a final song. And as we do, I ask you to think about yourself. Think about your life at this point right now in your life. Are you where God wants you to be? Is your heart where God wants it to be? It's your time between you and your God. May we pray. Father, truly we thank You for Your Word. For Father, in Your Word, there is life. For in Your Word, it tells us of Jesus and the great sacrifice that He paid by going to the cross for our sins. And Father, it's my prayer this morning that if there is one here who has never made that all-important decision, the most important decision they can ever make, To come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray this morning that today would be that day. And Father, if there are some here today who know they have been living apart from you. Not serving you the way that they should. They know, Lord, that they made a confession of faith years ago. But they've been going about life doing their own thing their own way. Father, convict hearts this morning as well. Fathers, we sing this final song. May your spirit move in a mighty way. And may we commit to be the people that you would have us be. Thank you, Father, for your great love. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.